Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. We've been in the middle of a series um, that's entitled No Love Serve. And so that series is based upon our mission, vision, values as a church so that we can get uh, more acquainted and who acquainted with who we are and what we do as a church. And so last week, we started in on spiritual gifts. Um, and if you weren't here last week, we'll do a brief recap, but go back and listen to the podcast because I can't cover everything uh, that we talked about last week to move forward this week. But it is important that we build upon the foundation of last week. And I have to rush a little bit this morning, so I apologize in advance. I have to rush through some of these concepts because it's a long and vast set of concepts. And my wife is already looking at me like, hurry up. And so if you just stop introducing stuff and just talk, then you get to it. But um, there's a lot that goes on with spiritual gifts. There's a lot that is said about spiritual gifts. And the challenge is that um, I believe there's two challenges when we talk about spiritual gifts. One is that oftentimes we look at our spiritual gifts through who we are on Sunday mornings. We look at what God wants us to do in the context of this few hours that we meet on Sunday mornings, and we feel like God wants me to just be all I can be on Sunday morning, and on Monday afternoons, I be all I want to be, right? But as believers, uh, who we are and who God has created us to be is wrapped up in our purpose. It's wrapped up in our purpose, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And so if you give me my first slide, Albert, last week we talked about this framework, and again, this is not gospel. This is not gospel. Uh, but we talked about this framework for helping us to understand what spiritual gifts are. And so we'll, just jump, we'll jump right into it. It says, spiritual gifts are a supernatural, unique ability given freely by God to believers with the purpose of them being used to edify the body of believers and to glorify God. And so God has made us all superheroes. We all have something that the world needs. Now, we're not going to be jumping over buildings in a single bound or uh, whoever your favorite hero is, Batman. You won't be able to, I guess, get bit beat by Bane in the middle of the night. I don't know what Batman does. Or Flash, you won't be able to run faster. But God has gifted each and every one of us with the ability to impact the world. At least our circles of influence. God has given us the opportunity to come alongside him and work alongside him in bringing people closer to a greater understanding of who God is. And if you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus for your, for, for, for your salvation, and if you're a follower of him, you have that on the inside of you, whether you know it or not. I think that in the West, in the United States, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage because we have celebrity culture. We look at celebrity pastors. We look at people who write books. Like, I, I had never seen so much Christian literature in my life. Like, Christian bookstores are closing now, but now you can get online. There's all these books about how to pray, how to do this. And we get so caught up in all that stuff that we forget that we're supposed to go out and impact the world. You were created for such a time as this. But we think that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and it's too far gone. Let us just duck our, 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 our heads into the church on Sunday morning. Give me just enough strength to make it through. And then uh, I'll be back next week. And if you're under the sound of my voice, God has given you purpose. God has given you abilities. And God wants to work through you to bring those in your circles of influence closer to him. Everybody in the church should have said amen. 
And so we built and we built our understanding around this framework that we talked about last week. And I told you last week that this is not my framework. Uh, it's not gospel. It's not gospel. I'm not saying that this is gospel fact, but I'm saying this is a framework to help me understand what God wanted me to do as he began to use my life to impact others. And so I'm using it with you guys. And so again, not gospel, just a framework. Look at your neighbor and say, not gospel, just a framework. Amen. And so we use Chip Ingram. I love Chip Ingram. We use Chip Ingram's uh, model of spiritual gift teaching, and we just hijacked it, and we use it as long as we give them credit. When professors tell me, as long as you give them credit, it's good. And so the framework, next slide, Alvin, the framework was made up of three different categories of gifting. And it was based on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 7. It says that there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. That word gift is actually charismata. And that's what we got last week where we talk about there are actual motivational gifts. There are gifts that are inside of us that God has given us that motivate us to do the things in his kingdom service that he's called us to do. And it says, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. That word service was actually the word where we get the word deacon from is diaconon. Again, I'm not trying to impress you with my Greek. I'm just trying to give you that, uh, the understanding that there's different types of group. And these are what we call ministry gifts. And we work outside of these ministry gifts. And then finally it says, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And that word activities, I can't even pronounce that word, but it's where we get our energies from. Where God actually steps in and he, 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 he infuses uh, uh, his energy towards creating circumstances and situations for people to go closer to him. And then it goes in verse 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And so we all have been given these manifestations of the spirit of God. Again, like I said last week, uh, we work alongside God and it's up to God to bring the increase. We just show up and do what God told us to do. And he does all the heavy lifting. Right. And so from that, we got this model in the next next slide, please, Albert. The next model, we got this where we find everywhere in the Bible where spiritual gifts are found are in these four scriptures. Or primarily where they're found in the fourth script. There's a few that we didn't list here today, and some are uh, refute that there are a couple like the gift of hospitality or the gift of intercession. We didn't cover those, but if you want to believe that those are gifts, I, I, don't, I don't have any objection with it. That's your gift. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. All right? And so we said there's a motivational gift, what we talked about last week, and we really focused on prophecy, service, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. These are the motivational gifts. These are the things that God has given us, and these are the things that kind of push us toward doing the things of God. And again, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it last week, suffer through it on the podcast this week, go back and listen to it. And we said that based upon our motivational gift, God engages us in places of ministry where those ministry gifts, we're going to cover those this morning and the manifestations of gifts this morning. We're going to move a little fast. Again, like I said, this is just a framework, but I really wanted you guys to see that again. And and I also want you guys to know that there are other types of, of frameworks that people have used to understand spiritual gifts. Has anybody ever heard of shape? Shape. The S stands for spiritual gifts. The H stands for your heart, what, 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 where your heart is at. The A stands for uh, abilities. The P stands for personality. The E stands for experiences. And all of that gumbo of your life comes together and tells you what God would want you to do in this season. And so you can, hey, if you don't like, like this one, look at shape. But here's the thing. I want you guys to examine the gifts because what we said last week, God is going to hold you responsible for what he's given you. 
we brought up the parable of the talents where God had gave uh, certain people certain talents and then some people buried and some people brought back increase. But God is going to hold you accountable for what he's given you. You're not going to be able to stand before God. And God say, Sean, I gave you the gift of this. And you were like, you know what happened was, you know, my cousin, them, like God's not going to hear none of that. He's gifted you. He's blessed you. And he says, bring me my increase. Amen. And so all of these things that we're going to talk about today are what uniquely make you, you. It's not about head knowledge. I don't want y'all to all just understand the spiritual gifts and go, oh, I know what that gift is. And then then just got some head knowledge. No, we need to apply some of these things to our life because it brings clarity for our lives. And so motivational ministry and manifestations is the springboard we're looking at. And it's going to help us bring some things into practice. And so today, we're going to recap. I mean, we're going to move forward from the recap on those gifts. Amen. And so the first one. And like what we did last week, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Like we did last week, when I mentioned these, don't raise your hand, but think to yourself, could that be me? Could that be the way that God uses my life? And so based upon your motivational gift, we have prophecy. And also these, one more thing, these definitions aren't inspired either. Like God has given us spiritual gifts in the Bible, but he didn't say, and when you have the spiritual gift, this is how you use it. And this is what it is. But based upon context clues and based upon experience, we go back and we look at it and we go, okay, this is what this probably is. So again, these are just definitions. If you don't agree with it, that's fine with me. Listen, I'm not here to persuade you. I'm just here to get you looking in the book for yourself. And so the first one is prophecy. And everybody said, oh, Lord. Because some of these gifts we don't understand. And some of these gifts have shown enough been abused. Uh-oh, I'm talking to somebody that went to a church where <laughs> what pastor prophesied I need $2,500 from four people right now. And your car no doing, you that under conviction because you really, you, you got $2,500, but it's your last $2,500. That's a better church than I was at because I was in my last 50. Well, Lord, let me tell you. So prophecy, it's the divine enablement to proclaim God's truth with power and clarity in a timely and culturally sensitive fashion for correction, repentance, or edification. The ability to reveal God's word actually, accurately. Reveal God's word accurately. Shouldn't nobody be making up stuff that ain't in his word. You have the ability to reveal what God's heart is concerning a situation accurately accurately. And if you want to go into the Old Testament, and some people try to use the Old Testament prophet, when they prophesied and it came to pass, well, they were prophesying based on them first coming and saying, God said, do this. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen. And also, Old Testament prophets, you came into town and you prophesied, you died. Some of y'all said prophesied. What's that prophesied? You're lying on God. You died. I guarantee you folks won't be standing up on stages and being all on YouTube and doing all this stuff, talking about their prophets. If we were picking up rocks and saying, you better come true. Yeah. <laughs> Let it not come true. Be keeping it to yourself. The person with the gift of prophecy looks at a situation and wants to see the cause and what went wrong and how God is supposed to move in it. Might that be you? The gift of service, I got to move, I'm sorry. 
The divine enablement to attach spiritual value to the accomplishment of physical tasks within the body of Christ. The ability to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs that releases other Christians to direct spiritual ministry. People with the gift of service say, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Do I need to stand in the corner on my head for four hours? If that's going to help the ministry move forward, let me do it. Sign me up. I don't really need the limelight. I don't really need nobody to know what I'm doing, Uh, although sometimes it hurts when nobody acknowledges you. But I'm going to do what it needs to be done in order for the ministry to move forward. Anybody in the room? The gift of teaching. The divine enablement to understand and give detailed explanation of biblical truth. Ability to search out and validate truth which has been presented. The person with the gift, the motivation, I mean, with, with the ministry gift of teaching their question is often, what is truth? Where did you get that and why? person with the gift of teaching, you can see that they're preaching and prophesying all that kind of stuff. Like, Mm-mm, I ain't never seen that in the Bible. Oh, 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 mm-mm. And if you ever seen a person with the gift of teaching, they over-explain everything. Right? Because they're going to tell you what was said. They're going to say, no, this is why God said if you look back in Jude, it happened this. And, then you, and they're going to make the whole Bible tie together. You'll be like, how did you get all of that in that? Anybody? The gift of exhortation, the divine enablement to come alongside another in need of encouragement to reassure, strengthen, affirm, and challenge those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. Ability to stimulate the faith of others. People with gift of exhortation get on your nerves. Because sometimes you just want to be in your pit and they won't let you stay in your pit. Well, did you, did you, well, did you consider this? Does God still love you? This, shut up! I don't need all that right now. I just want to be mad. I just want to call her up and give her a piece of my mind. The person with the gift of attention said, no, no, you, you remember last time you did that. Remember how it took you a long time to get back to God when you did that? The person with the gift of exhortation is going to come alongside you and help you walk it out. The person with the gift of exhortation uh, looks at the situation like, what must be done to fix this situation? How can we move this individual towards wholeness? They see the brokenness. They're trying to move you towards wholeness. Anybody? Anybody? The gift of giving. Lord Jesus, we need y'all. The divine enablement to earn money, manage well, and wisely contribute to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and liberality. Ability to entrust person, a personal assets to others for the furtherance of the ministry. They want to ask, what can I give to meet a need? And remember, this is not just about having a whole lot of money. Because this can work in Africa. This can work in Central America. This can work in communities that don't have nothing. I remember the first time I went to Nicaragua. When they did our offering time, people actually brought vegetables and fruit and stuff up front. And it was this one individual brought all this stuff. Like everybody else was bringing a little piece of corn and, you know, he just had a box full of stuff. And the idea was because of their culture and they didn't have a whole lot of money, the people who had need, they can go after service and they can just pick up the stuff that they had need of. And so the person with the gift of giving just gives out of what they have. It can be a lot or it can be a little. It can be a lot or it can be a little. Or you're always trying to give to meet a need. Gift of leadership. And most of y'all in the room will say, I got that. No, you just bossy. You just bossy. Sit down somewhere. I'm playing. 
Leadership, the divine enablement to see what needs to be done, set goals and attract and lead and motivate people to accomplish the work of ministry. Ability to coordinate the activities of others for the achievement of the common good. Listen, the person with the gift of leadership looks at a situation and says, what's the goal here? What's the goal? What are we trying to do? Let's get it doing. Have you ever been on, on, on and, and, and we can do, we can talk about on fifth Sundays or, or, or church work groups. Or somebody might get over in the corner and we've been assigned to do this. And then people just start jumping in and start working. But there's one person that sits back and goes, how can we do this most efficiently? How can we do it on task with what Courtney said to do? Now, some people just want to jump in and work. But the person with the gift of leadership, just he, he wants to sit back and he wants to, and he comes across the boss. Sometimes you get the, you get the wrenches and you put them over there and you do this over here because they're trying to get to the goal efficiently and make sure that it happens in a way that glorifies God. Are you a leader? Or your leader. And finally, the gift of mercy in in that second column. The divine enablement to minister cheerfully and appropriately to people who are suffering or undeserving and to spare them from the punishment and consequences they justly deserve. I have one that live in my house. Ability to identify with and comfort those who are in distress. They want to make the person feel better. They want them to feel love. That word mercy, actually, it, the root word is the same as compassion. They have compassion for other people. Everybody else got the pitchfork and want to burn them, hang them up. And the person would give mercy. No, it ain't that. Come on now. Come on now. And it hurts them when other people are like they're empathetic. It hurts them when other people are hurting. You might be saying, well, this just sounds like a lot of personality things. They are because what happens is God, listen, Don't get ahead of yourself, Sean. God has uniquely wired you the way that he's wired you because he works all these things out in your life in order to get you the way he wants to go. We act like when God shows up, he just thought about it last week and he just showed up. Some of us have had these things inside of us even before we were saved, the personality traits of these things inside of us before we got saved. And so now that we're saved, you go, well, no, I just always been this way. That can't be my spiritual gift. Well, you don't understand that God is sovereign. And he's working all things out to your good. And so God has been working with you even before you said yes to Jesus. And so some of that stuff is just on the inside of you. And even if it ain't your spiritual gift, those things might complement your spiritual gift. So God is going to take all that he made you uniquely who you are. And so you might have a gift of prophecy and you saw Prophet Jones come to church and ask for a thousand dollars and you don't want to do that no more because Prophet Jones did it wrong. But God has uniquely wired you to be a prophet who does it the way that you do it. And I don't want no more prophecies about no more new cars either. I like my car. (laughs) Just letting you know how me getting a new car helping the body of Christ. I don't know. Because these gifts are designed to bring people closer to God. Some of y'all might be saying, well, Pastor, if you had a jet, you can get that. Well, give me a jet then. We'll see. No, I'm playing. Again, these definitions are not gospel. And so then we got apostleship. And everybody said, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And so we have our motivational gifts. And then we have our ministry gifts. And so you might be motivated by prophecy. You might be motivated by telling people, what is God saying concerning this? But it might manifest itself in the second column. 
You might have an apostolic gift. Now, watch this. The apostolic gift is not the same as an apostle. Capital A, lowercase lay. Let's get that straight. First century church were there, and the apostles were there to establish doctrine. This is why we got the scripture from them. They were witnesses to Jesus Christ. They were establishing the church. Ain't nobody here supposed to build on nothing that ain't already been built on. If you build, if you, if, if you listen, you're born 2,000 years too late if you're trying to be one of them apostles. Now, I know the apostle only men sent one. But in our context, it is more so a person who can go and they can put stuff together. They have the divine enablement to start churches and oversee development, ability to minister cross-culturally with the goal of planting churches. That's a real apostolic gift in operation. I got a friend who planted churches on different continents. They go in and they move into those areas, and, and before you know it's a church, and they raise up leadership, and it's a, it's a self-sustaining, self-sufficient church. But they're not hearing new revelations from God. Some of these apostles running around here now talking about these new revelations from God. Listen, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Now, God might illuminate the scripture for you, but don't be listening to somebody say, God gave me a new revelation. Run. A few months later, let me have you drink Kool-Aid. Watch my words. <laughs> Don't do it. And so now we have not only the motivational gift of prophecy, but we have the ministry gift of prophecy. This is the outworking of it. The divine enabled to proclaim God's truth for clarity, timely, accurately. This is what we would call great preachers nowadays because we're speaking the context of what the Bible has said. It might be a small group leader. You might be a small group leader, and you're operating in the prophetic gift. You could be in a campus ministry. Again, it doesn't only have to happen in the context of here, but you have a divine ability to do it. You can say stuff and people go, man, I ain't never seen the Bible that way and how it just applies to my life and impacts my life in that way. Man, but you don't have to put the prophet in front of your name. You don't have to stand up here with a microphone and say, here, thus saith the Lord. Because we tried to fit it all in here on Sunday mornings, we missed what God is calling us to do. And there are people in this room right now, you have a prophetic gift. You can look at a situation, you can look at a circumstance as God appoints you to see it. And then you see it and you speak it to somebody and it impacts their life. It, it changes their life. It draws them closer to Jesus. If it wasn't in there, God would, would, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have said nothing about it. Also, the gift of evangelism. The ability to, be an unusually, to have an unusual effect. Ah. The ability to be an unusually effective instrument to leading unbelievers to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. People with the gift of evangelism can go into just areas cross-culturally and, and, they, and, and, and they can share the gospel. And people are like, man, I want to know more about that. Man, I want to see Jesus in a different way. And I would even say that if you have a gift of evangelism, it's on a spectrum. It's on a spectrum. Some people, and we've had issues here at this church, some people want to go out with a bullhorn and scream and want to take all the members of the church with them and say, we're just going to go down on 6th Street and we're just going to preach and we're going to yell and we're going to yell. And I'm like, if that's what you call to do, do that. That's your spectrum. You want to you be evangelistic to a large group. But I also got friends who you got to lunch with them. Anybody got a friend like this? You got to lunch with this friend and the waitress or the waiter are coming over and they talking to them about Jesus the whole time and you ain't talked to them in a long time. You're like, okay, we're going to tell them about Jesus later. But they just got to tell everybody they meet about Jesus. 
and they flourish more so on a one-on-one environment, total strangers at the gas station. How, uh, can I get my change? Hey, have you ever uh, uh, heard about this guy named Jesus? It's like, bro, can we just get the gas and go with the movie? We're going to miss the movie. Is that anybody in the room? You want to see people saved. Your heart bleeds for people who are lost. And so whatever spectrum you find yourself on, listen, go and do it with all your might. Don't wait for nobody else. That anybody. I just want to see people saved. It keeps you up at night. You got loved ones who you know, who you know, if they die today, their eternity is gone. And it keeps you up at night and you pray and you find, you try to find ways to bring them in. Now, we all should be doing that again, like we said last week. We all should be doing elements of this, but some people are just extremely gifted at it. Evangelism. Pastor, teacher, this is the only gift in the Bible that is a dual gift because there's no article in between. It's not pastor and teacher. It's pastor, teacher. And a pastor, teacher has the ability to lead people spiritually, to nourish with, with the office of pastor, elder, or overseer, or uh, to shepherd them. This also includes being able to teach because you can't really shepherd somebody sometimes if you can't explain to them what, 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 what's going on. I believe that the pastor teacher and the teacher are two different kind of, that's kind of bends. Again, like the person that's got the gift of teaching, they, they, like they'll just sit there and talk to you and don't really care if you get it or not. I told you. And God's why I'm I sit there and told you. But the pastor teacher is a shepherd and he wants to come alongside you and he wants to pastor you and he wants to show you in the word how you can change and how you can be transformed and he's going to walk through life with you. Again, doesn't necessarily have to be the office of a pastor. Listen, I was doing this before I had the title of pastor and worked at Northeast Community Church. I was doing this before I worked at ACF. I was working at startups in the tech industry. And it's tough out here, Yonder. You ever worked in a room full of IT people? Oh, they're the most dogmatic and agnostic to the gospel? Because I think we think we're gods and of ourselves. Doing it before we get the title. Is that you? In your friend circle? Maybe? Some of y'all are like, you ain't got to mind yet. I'm coming. These next two are a little hard. Because I don't really fully understand them, so I'm just going to mull over them real quick. I don't really understand them. I, I know what they should be in, in, in theory, but I don't know how it works practically, so forgive me for not being knowing everything. That's one thing I don't know. Okay, um... Miracles and healing. Now, I know that early in the church, miracles were there to establish uh, uh, a truth. Jesus would show up, the apostles would show up, and there were miracles that showed up, and people were like, oh, they must be, like it got their attention. I'm not saying that miracles don't happen today. I believe miracles still happen every day. I still think healings happen every day. I do. I don't know how that manifests in, your, in, in a specific ministry gifting. Why do I say that? Because I see people who have these crusades, and again, I'm not throwing shade, but I'm just saying, just saw this documentary just late, recently, where they put the people up front, because it's been abused, people up front where you can't see if they really were healed. And they tell the people with, you know, broken legs and all this kind of, y'all sit in the back, we're going to pray for y'all later. And I don't understand, because people have that question. When people are, 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 are angry at the gospel, they say, well, if you have a gift of healing, why don't you just go to the cancer ward and just lay hands on everybody and everybody healed? 
I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. But I know that God does bring healing that's not always physical. I know God still works miracles. And oftentimes this happens in third world countries. We always hear about Africa and, and, and Peru this happened. And, 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 we, and then the challenge is we try to equate it to our faith. If our faith is big enough in America, our faith ain't big enough. And I don't, I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where anybody whose faith was so strong that Jesus healed them because their faith was just so, just, 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 just a few instances, right? Other people were like, help my unbelief. So I don't know. If you think you got it, I got a backache. Y'all come get that. I pray. The last time I taught on spiritual gifts, it was years ago. I was sitting there preaching, and I told everybody my knees were hurting before, because, uh, you know, old basketball, I used to play on the concrete. And so these knees were hurting. And so a dude came up to me after me, he said, well, I, I rebuked him. He just started praying right there and just, you know, called and stuff. And I was like, Is he? he said, how you feel? And I said, my knees still hurt, brother. Pastor ain't got enough faith. These knees still hurt. I don't know. I wanted them to stop hurting. I tell you that much. All right, I'm moving. The ministry of helps. Some people make a distinction between helps and service. Some people say service is more group oriented and helps is more person oriented. But I won't even go into a whole lot of detail on that because, again, I don't know. But it's there. You research it. Administration and leadership. Manifestation of ministry gift of ministry, uh, 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 administration and leadership. I see a, a, a small distinction between administration and leadership in that uh, administrators work through people. They want to set a system up. This is how you do it. Y'all continue to do it. Oftentimes, the challenge of a leader is a leader wants to get down there and get his hand there, and they want to do it. And even like everybody's sitting around going, well, what am I here for? I think they both have the same function, but I think when one person is more administrative-minded, again, this is a spectrum, administrative-minded people, they want to set processes in place for people to do certain things. And then leaders, they want to go and do it, and so they have to learn how to move, and they both have to learn how to move towards the middle. All right? Wisdom and knowledge, again, abused. Wisdom is to have the divine understanding about a situation that you shouldn't have known about. You can go in and be involved in somebody's life, and wisdom comes out. And they, oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to jump. The workings of it. We can, we can kind of figure out what our motivation is. We can operate in ministry areas, but then it's up to God to manifest what he manifests. Based on us being motivated by the Spirit, doing the work of the Spirit, God brings the energy towards the situation. And so God might give you a word of wisdom. He might just give you a word of wisdom. You're dealing with, you doing what you're doing. You're talking to the, the waitress or, 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 or you at the gas station or you're at work administrating, and you might just pause and go, Cindy, do you need a gas card? I, I don't know why, but I, I just sense like you, you're struggling right now. That would be, oh, my God, that would be a blessing. We don't have to stand in the middle of the office, stand up on the desk. Thus saith the Lord. Here come at the word of wisdom for somebody in the room. I think it's you. You can just say, I, 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 I was at the grocery store today, and I was getting groceries, and you were on my heart, and I just got some extra toilet paper or this, and, and, and I, I don't know. Man, you, how did you know? Anybody ever been in those situations? If you ain't because you ain't been listening to Jesus, I'm playing. How did you know? I didn't know. 
It happens up here all the time. I'll be preaching and I'll say something really, really unique to a situation. It wasn't in my notes. I'll just say it because I'm like, okay, just say it. And y'all know I do it all the time. I'm like, just say it. And I'll say it. And somebody is like, man, I'm so glad you said that because this is going on. And how did you know? I didn't. God did that. So wisdom. Able to just speak into a situation that you shouldn't know about. And give someone the knowledge of it. I'm sorry. I got them backwards. Wisdom is how do you apply God's word to a situation? Knowledge is the other one. Knowledge is the way that you speak specifics to a situation and you know something that you shouldn't have known. See, I'm so confused about it. I got them backwards. Knowledge is abused when people say somebody in the room, just real vague. And it's also abused when somebody says, I talked to God and God told me you're going to be healed and that person dies. And so just for clarity's sake, if I ever tell you something, I rarely say God said it because I don't want y'all trying to stone me. I don't know what this is. I just feel this impression. Here you go. And if it's God, he's going to get glory for it. If it's not, I just miss God. Y'all like this is a lot of gifts. Okay, I'm going to get to the sermon in a minute. I got to get through these first. Faith. Faith has the ability to have a vision for what God wants to be done and believe confidently that is going to be accomplished in spite of the circumstances and appearances to the contrary. Faith comes when you're using your ministry gifts. You might infuse faith in somebody, and they're like, oh, my God, I believe it. God's going to come through. When you said, I believed. When you did, I believed. This is not just have this just extraordinary stand of faith. I just stand in faith. The, the, the car ain't got no gas in it. You won't get to work. It's not that. Now, I've heard stories of people getting to work and there was no gas in the car. I heard it. I don't know if I believe it, but I heard it. But it's not this thing that happens and in, 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 uh, because I have so much faith, like, I, I pop me up. It's the ability to infuse faith in others, the gift of faith in others. And it happens through many workings. Distinguishing the spirits. That's the ability to see if something is from God or not of God. That simple. Of God, not of God. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. I think these are bad last two. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Abused. Some people will say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And to that I say, shada basa tada. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And so in scripture, we see three different manifestations of tongues, in my opinion, in scripture. We see three different manifestations of tongues, in my opinion, in Scripture. We see the manifestation of tongues on the day of Pentecost. What people came, it was tongues of fire, and people were speaking, and they weren't speaking Dasani, Dasani. They were speaking actual languages. People in the room were like, when you start speaking, speaking Spanish, you speak German? How is it that we all up in here and we from all these different nations and we speaking intelligible, intelligible languages that other people can discern is a language? That's the first one. I believe that's what's happening here. The second one is there's a heavenly language that sometimes there's an utterance given and somebody will speak in a language that ain't nobody understanding in the room. Now, some people argue that it is a language. Some people argue that it is German. There's a person with German in the room go, hey, you speak a German. God said this. I'm not going to even get into that fight with y'all. If it was a heaven language or actual language, it needs to be interpreted. 
Somebody in the room needs to interpret what is being said. It is God speaking in a way that somebody in the room needs to, oh, oh, I hear that. I hear that. And God, and Paul actually said in Corinthians, he said, listen, don't be doing that. And there's a whole bunch of unbelievers around y'all. They're going to think y'all drunk and crazy. And then thirdly, the Bible talks about a prayer language. Your personal prayer language where you go into your prayer closet and you speak whatever you're supposed to be speaking. And the Bible says, how be it? I'm speaking mysteries of God. You don't even know what you're saying. And Paul says, I would rather speak intelligibly, though. I would rather you prophesy than have to go through all this stuff and can't nobody understand what you're saying. And so I see three manifestations of tongues. And so I believe that we don't just somebody just walk around with a gift of tongues. I believe there's manifestations of tongues based upon your giftings. God brings us this other gift. Amen? And I've spent most of my time on saying this. And some of you guys are saying, okay, with all that being said, Pastor, what are we supposed to do with that? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. I think we need to look at the proof. Ooh, acronym. We need to look at the proof. Based on you understanding what we talked about last week, beginning of this week, there's a spiritual gift out there for you. You need to look at the proof in order for your life to line up with what God is calling you to do with these gifts. With these gifts. The proof, the P, stands for pray. You need to pray about what God has gifted you with because you understand that God has gifted you with something that is going to help you to become all that God has called you to be. And so this is not so much about the gifts, y'all. The gifts are a cheat code. God has called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? And then you can do it the hard way, or you can do it with the gift that God has given you and be effective in it. And I believe a lot of us, we just spin our wheels, spin our wheels, spin our wheels, and we don't know what God has called us to do. And then we go, well, I don't know what God's told me to do. Listen, that don't fly with your kids. You tell your kids to clean their room, and you don't tell them specifically what to do in that room. You come back in that room and say, well, you didn't tell me exactly how to clean the room. I was just going to wait until you came back in and told me again. Some of y'all had a mama like mine. <laughs> well, God, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't understand fully what you said, so I just didn't do nothing. I use this example all the time. I'm going to use it again. If, if God, if there was somewhere in the Bible to show you how to make $10 million, everybody be reading the Bible every day, all day, until they got that $10 million. And God has told you what he's required of you and what he wants you to do, but we got to go in there and we got to say, God, let me figure this out. I tell y'all, I was a part of a church for, I don't even know, I'm bad with years, 12 plus years, trying to find my gift, trying to find my gift. That ain't it. That ain't it. Maybe this ain't it. And it's trying different, different stuff. It's trying different stuff. And then I, finally it clicked. So it don't happen overnight. That's why I rush through these things because I want you to go and search them out. Because I can't give it to you. I can't tell you what you're gifted at. I can look at your life and go, it seems like you're gifted at that. I think I might see fruit there, but I can't tell you exactly what God has called you to do in this moment. If I try to, I'll be proper lying. And so you got to pray. And then understand, is your heart right? Is your heart right? That's the prayer. Lord, is my heart right? Maybe you haven't revealed to me what you have for me because my heart ain't right. 
I'm double-minded. I'm not walking with you. You're my side piece, Jesus. Are you motivated for yourself? Or are you motivated for the body? Look at James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. This was written in context of the church going through some stuff. James was saying, listen, if you want to know why you're going through it, ask me. Seek my face. I can tell you better than Pastor Sean. I can tell you better than an elder. I can tell you better than your small group leader. Ask me. But since we don't have the knowledge, we're agnostic towards God, like we talked about last week when Paul said, I don't want you to be agnostic towards these gifts. Ask God, is your heart right? Is your heart right? Or do you just want to do your own thing? Is your motivation to use it in the church or to use it for yourself? Pray about it. The R relationships relationships this is what this whole series was about about getting involved in church and getting involved in church relationships watch this and it says and he gave apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Listen, when you get in the context of Christian community, listen, God begins to give you what you need to walk with him in a way that brings him glory. He said he gave apostles, prophets, and, and teachers and all these things. Not to sit here and entertain you. But to give you what you need in order to walk out the work of ministry. And so what does that mean? Listen, find relationships where people can pour and invest in you. We live in a culture and a society right now where we don't want to know. Like we act like we got it all together. Even on our job, somebody might even tell you, like a supervisor or somebody or, 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 or executive might tell you, hey, man, I really like your, your style. Listen, anytime you want to get at me, come talk to me. And, and we'd be like, I don't want to be bothering people. He done gave you the phone number. Call it. That's what elders are here for. And listen, I'm so excited about the small group leaders, who st- life group, life group leaders who stepped up and said, we want to lead us in life group. You know how, like that, like, like that. Like Wednesday afternoon after I get off of work, I don't want to be bothered with y'all. I'm just going to be honest. This is Wednesday afternoon. There's a game on tonight. The Spurs play. But I say, you know what? I'm going to give up my Wednesdays every week. And I'm going to say, God, what do you want from me? That's the kind of believer that says, you know what? I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to open up my house. People I don't know. Because I want to be a part of this leadership that helps people cultivate who God has called them to be. So they're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but they are learning and they're growing and they're understanding who God has called them to be. Listen, we got to tap in, church. I want to be a part of this. So we got to have 
relationships. The first O. Once we get there, obedience. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? That's a hard question in the church sometimes. I don't want to be. Are you willing to do what it takes? Watch this, 1 Samuel 15, 22. This is in the context of Saul doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing. And pose is a word. So y'all don't need to be visiting. Pose is a word. I use it all the time. He was doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing. And then he go and he try to make this little sacrifice. Woo, look at me, God. Look at me, God. And the prophet said, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in bur- uh, has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. What is he saying? Listen, I accept you. Come, yeah, raise your hands, holy hands, worship on Sunday morning, do all that. Shout as loud as you want to. But listen, I'd rather you be obedient. I'd rather you do what I ask you to do. Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. Yeah, that great, great. Oh, yeah, you fasting? Oh, you, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. But do what I say. We have all these outward expressions of worship, and God's like, man, I listened to that new Kanye album all day yesterday. I was worshiping. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to go check it out today. I heard a bump. Great. Maybe Kanye ain't your flavor. Hezekiah, whoever you listen to in the car, Fred. Y'all don't know Fred? I'm going to introduce y'all to Fred. Listen to it. But don't neglect obedience. We said, God, show me what you want me to do. And God says, and I say this all the time. Y'all know I say this all the time. You ain't did the last thing I told you to do. Give me another one, God. Give me one more thing to do. Pile it on, God. I'm, I'm, I'm. But what about the hard thing I asked you to do? What about when I asked you to go across the street and talk to that neighbor that keep leaving his trash can right in front of your driveway? What about that? Well, God, you know I, 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 I go serve in the orphan. I ain't asked you to do all that. Go talk to your neighbor. Go talk to your family member that y'all been estranged for all those years. And it was your fault. And pride is not allowing you to go and talk to that situation. Go do it. Well, God, you know how they is. I know how they is. That's why I'm telling you, go do it. And you don't know what I'll do when I sh- Maybe I'll give you a word of wisdom when you show up. Maybe a word of knowledge. Maybe I'll do the ultimate healing and they become saved based upon that dialogue. Maybe you're holding up some stuff. Go do it. I'm going to leave that alone because y'all start looking at me like y'all want to fight, and i got a few more minutes left. The second O, observations. This is the one that a lot of us really need to tap into. Based on you being in relationships, based on you praying, based on you, uh, 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 what was the first O? Uh, obedience, based on you obeying. Listen, observe what God is doing around you. God is always at work. And oftentimes we can't see it because we're so busy seeing us. We're so busy looking at the man in the mirror, we can't see the man behind the mirror. We can't see what Jesus is doing. Watch this, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. 
And we often think of this just, just in hard times. And we just know all things work together for the good of those who wouldn't. Like, like everything ain't got to be doom and gloom. You ain't got to get the cancer report to say that all things work to the good. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those who are called according to his purpose. Are you on his purpose? What are you looking for then? Observe what God is doing in your life, in and around you. Some of us, I don't know what God is calling me to do. And other people looking and going. People are always at your house getting counseling, just sitting on your front porch and just, they leave crying. <laughs> What's God call you to do? I don't know. How many times does this happen? Three, four times a week? Wake up and smell the coffee. Every time you over, man, you come in and you just, you just organize. Like, anybody, anybody got one of those friends that come in your house, just organize your house? Somebody pointed at Miss Beverly. Oh, they, they snitching on you. They snitching on you. This needs to be over here. And if you just do this, like, like you're wired to put stuff that's out of place together. I don't know. That might be a gift administration. I don't know. I don't know. What is God calling you to do? We were at a church. I remember this lady. I remember her by name, Karen Presswood. Awesome lady. She ran the nursery at a mega church. Mega church. And um, she ran the nursery. But if you saw the way that she loved on two-year-olds, it would blow your mind. Right, Emery? Like, she made me want to do better in my faith by the way she loved on two-year-olds. She'd be out there in the hallway. She'd be rocking the baby. I'm like, well, what's going on with this little baby? And Karen was like, well, her mom is her first time visiting. And uh, she told me that, you know, she was on a hard time, so I don't want to disturb her. I could hit the number. And we like, I could date your baby. You know? But she's just walking around in the hallway. Baby just went away. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is what I'm called to do. And she would make the little two-year-olds. Again, have anybody ever watched a two-year-old? Maybe just me. Let me babysit your two-year-old. They might be on the front porch when you get back to pick them up. But she'd be in there. She'd be having her arms folded, right? She'd be sitting at the thing. They'd be reading little Bible stories. I'm like, how'd she get them to do that? It was, na- it was obvious that's what she was wired to do. What she was wired to do. Other observations. I'm going to run out of time, but I'm going to keep on going. Last week's spiritual gifts. Do you feel unfulfilled in what you're called what, do you feel unfulfilled in your current walk? Sometimes when you feel unfulfilled, God is speaking. And what is, calling, what is causing that uneasiness? Sometimes when you pray about that situation, you'll find your calling. You can say amen, you can say ouch. I remember the first time I went to Africa. I came back from Africa and I saw the way the services were happening in Africa that were based on church services here. And I was going, why are y'all just, just getting rid of your culture and all this kind of stuff? And you're just trying to be like American church and it was pastors. I mean, like literally dirt floor pastors, man, coming up with his fly suit. And, and they, I was like, what is, what, what? But they were looking at church in America and thinking, well, this is how church is supposed to be. Right. 
And ain't nobody, like people, what, like, like you looking at feet and that, like people walking for, 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 for two and three miles to get to church and feet dusty. And, 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 and it was like, what are you doing? And Pastor Jimmy, that's not a name, I'm just saying, Pastor Jimmy was fly. And he was up there and he was, and then and three people give me $3. And I was like, what are you doing? And I came home, I was so vexed. And I came home and I looked at the way that we were having church. And I'm not downgrading any church that does this, but it opened my eyes and I was so unfulfilled that I had to find a place where it was training me to get outside the walls. Because I've been there for 5, 10, 15 years and the same people sitting in the same seat saying the same thing week after week. And God has called us higher. I know that sounded like I was throwing shade. I wasn't. But I was unfulfilled. I was so unfulfilled. I was so, and so I had to find out, what, God, what do you have for me? And I showed up at my next church, and I went straight up to, uh, they had an executive pastor. I was saying, man, I saw this thing about spiritual gifts. I've been looking for my spiritual gift for like 10 years. Help me find it. And he was like, huh? And so he sat with me, and he coached me for a couple of weeks, and I found out real quick he wasn't going to be able to tell me. And so I began to just pray. I said, God. My mentor told me, he said, what keeps you up at night? I believe Christians need to have more things that keep you up at night. And I guarantee you, when you find a thing that keeps you up at night, you can meet God there. Thank you, Brooke. Because ain't nobody else want to say amen. What are you observing? What are you competent at? What capabilities do you have? All the things that we just listed, are there any things inside there that you're competent at? What do you do at your job that makes you you at your job? Why do we separate ourselves from work and church? Why can't you be who you are at work and church? Why can't you understand that God can call you to be a, 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 a light in your job? You spend more time at that job than anybody else. Some of y'all talk about eight hours a day. Some of y'all 10, 11 hours a day. And then on the commute, you're spending more time there than with your family. And I guarantee you, God is calling you to be a light there. What has God gifted you with? What is your natural ability? What, what are you competent at? God will take that. Then he's looking for your availability. He's saying, well, what are you? Listen, are you available to me? If you're available to me, I'll show you the way. I'll show you the path. I'll show you what you need to be doing. Are you fruitful? Are there areas in your life that you're fruitful at? God wants to meet you there. Last one. I'm over time, but y'all don't care, do y'all? Mm-mm. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Maybe some of you guys have already identified what God has called you to do, and you just sitting down on God. Maybe you started doing it, and it got hard. And you're like, man, maybe that ain't God. Well, God is looking for faithfulness. Look at Galatians 6, 9. Last one, I promise. Ain't that the last one, Albert? Amen. Thank you, Albert. <laughs> and let us not grow weary, oh gosh, allergies, of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Sometimes before you get the harvest, 
the work gets harder. Because the enemy, listen, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. The enemy don't want you just doing what you want to do. He don't want you just doing what God wants you to do. Need a reference point? Romans 7. Good stuff I want to do, I can't do anything. And there's this flesh that fights against you. There's this enemy that fights against you that stands hostile against God. Don't give up. And that faithfulness is to being in Christian community. And so as you're faithful to be a Christian community and you feel like giving up, somebody can lock arms with you, that person with the gift of exhortation, and come on here. Don't you act that way. I'm going to be real transparent with y'all right now. Some, ooh, listen, some weeks, it be so hard, y'all. I can't tell y'all how many times I done quit Northeast Community Church in my head. Because of y'all, and I'm playing, I'm playing. It gets hard. Like, I always on. Everybody always got an opinion. Pastor, we need to do this. And if I don't do that, then you're mad at me. And I'm like, ah! Just come on and follow Jesus! Then Tuesday mornings, we'll sit there at the elders' table. And I hate them elders. <laughs> Especially Ryan Nowakowski. <laughs> and Ryan Nowakowski got a fifth-degree fifth black belt, too. I want to punch him sometime. I'm like, man, I bet not. He probably put me in a pretzel. I'll tell you what kind of elders y'all got real quick, and I'm closing, I promise. When we launched out from... Austin Christian Fellowship to Northeast Community Church. It wasn't a given that I was going to be the pastor just because I was a community pastor in Northeast Community Church, I mean, ACF Northeast. And so I'm going to do the slick thing because, you know, you know, being the humble guy that I am, we're sitting around the table, the elders, they weren't elders at the time, they were deacons, but they were being trained by the elders at Northeast Community what, Anyway, and so I was sitting at the table and I was like, hey, man, you know, like, y'all, y'all don't have to choose me. Like, you know, I, I fall on the sword and, you know, I'm the reason, you know, probably because we're in, the, you know, where we're at right now. So, so, you know, y'all do what y'all want to do. And that booger, Ryan Nowakowski, he said, wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to go, no, no. We want you. We need you. Not Ryan. That's my, that's my bro. We've been bros for years. Oh, he's going to be on my team. He said, let's carry this out to the logical conclusion. <laughs> and them boogers actually deliberated while I was sitting there. If they wanted me or not. In my face. I started saying, I don't want this job anyway. I'm going back to IT. Give me a website or something. But Tuesday mornings, I was with peers. And we talk and we walk through life together. That's because you're gifted doesn't mean that life stops. I mean, like life stops being hard. As a matter of fact, it gets harder. That small group or life group that you're attending, I guarantee that life group leader on the drive over there was t- trying to count themselves out 500 ways that they didn't want to be there. Man, you know, ain't, no, ain't nobody but one person going to show up anyway, so we might as well cancel. I've been there. And sometimes small life group with one person been the best life group I done had. It gets hard. But you got to remain faithful. And God promises to show up if you don't get weary in well-doing. Lift 
the point of failure. Listen, we're going to sing one more song. And in this reflection moment, listen, I want you guys, I know it felt very academic today and it felt very long. But I want you guys to go back and examine those gifts that we talked about. Think about any of those might apply to your life. And listen, engage there. Engage there. As I know some of you are reluctant. You're like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know which one. I don't know which one. I don't know which one. Let's spend the next few moments just worshiping God and trusting him. That he's going to show you over time. It don't have to be today. It don't have to be next week. It don't have to be next month. But he's going to show you over time if you, listen, become part of the process. If you say, I'm all in. I guarantee you God will show you what he wants you to do. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.